John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, Million Dollar Agent Podcast. How are we, gentlemen? Virtual podcast today, Tommy. Virtual We're all podcast. in three different locations, but uh, isn't it amazing? I'm good, Tommy. Edgecliff, Edge uh, um, uh, Walsh Bay, um, uh, Haberfield. What's this called, Troy? Via satellite, via stream? What's, what's the technical... <laughs> Yeah, we'll sure. go. We'll go by stream. It sounds cool. It's the what, it's the what, word at the moment. <laughs> uh, so, gentlemen, firstly, again, a big thank you to uh, realestate.com.au, who this podcast is uh, sponsored by. And um, I, geez, we've had some hot weather, some forty degree weather across Sydney and various parts of Australia. It's been super hot. Um, how's your week been, gentlemen? Good, good. I think it's really good. In fact, we're we're seeing just on a business side, Tommy. We're seeing bigger listings and auction numbers than last year. And I know it's a very early stage of the year, but early indicators are. You know, we you know how we predicted late last year. We felt that there was going to be a little bit of you know. I don't think we called it a surge, but we felt there was going to be more loosening up of the listings in potentially certainly Sydney because Sydney's been very tight, but probably across all markets. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that, Troy, as we enter into the new year. There seems to be, you know, quite a few vendors that they might be making the the, the uh, connection or decision that perhaps the market in Sydney has peaked and it's not going to go up too much further, too much faster. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a bit more stock to choose from. I, uh, I've signed up to REA's alerts for everywhere, kind of Sydney Metro that I work in with the teams and whatnot, and the amount of listings that have come on in the past two weeks is like, 2x 3x the amount that was on in mm. december so you kind of go newest listing to oldest and you just see pages upon pages of new listings so obviously there's a bit of a trend people have made that decision and i think those that uh, produce the campaigns and put them in the best way or the the set them up the best way are going to have some great results yeah. but tom as we always say it doesn't really matter too much what the market's doing it's what you're doing within the market and i think for all our listeners, you know, we often talk about, you know, what are some of the big picture things that are happening. But more importantly, we always say to people, you know, it's what's happening in between your ears in terms of your mindset and your activities and your daily practices and all the things that, you know, we talk about on MDA podcast. Um, that's far more important than, you know, the weather and the and the number of listings out there because, you know, I've been speaking to a few agents recently that have got between 50 and 80% market share. And they, they just think that this is an incredibly great market to be in. Uh, and there are other agents that, you know, they're doing it tough and all they keep telling me is, yeah, but didn't you know that listings were down? So, you know, I think it's very important to create your own internal market as well. Yeah, well, look, uh, it's funny we talk about market share, John, because there are certain agents in the marketplace that I believe, you know, everyone used to rave about the 20%, 30% market share. Michael Tringali, who's an estate agent for um, for your your brand, John, that does uh, uh, the Inner West and Haddonfield mm. specifically, um, I said to him the other day, I said, Michael, I want to do a, a live stream uh, Facebook uh, video with you. I'm just curious, what's your market share? He said, mm. 56%. I said, is, oh, yeah. I said, but is that on listings or sales? He said, Tom, it's 56% based on the number of properties I sold in the last 12 months. Mm. Now, 56%, that's not participating in a market. That is total domination in a market. Mm. Um, and John and Troy, we're seeing more and more super strong agents totally con- to take control of their farm area and uh, they become the, the hub. They're no longer on the fringe of the community. They are actually the centre of the community. And Tom, once you get to that 40 or 50%, and let's call either one of those tipping points, so that means that 
every second listing or potentially every third listing, if it's 33% or above, has got your name on it, whether it's on REA or whether it's a signboard out the front or if it's in the local paper. Um, and at that point, it really becomes compelling to... Uh, any intelligent vendor must ask you in to at least talk to you. It would be kind of crazy if I'm looking at three boards in my street and you've got one or two of them and therefore you're dominant throughout the suburb, it really becomes compelling to have to invite you in. And once you're in, of course, you know, well, half the game's over because you're invited in and you're there. And, uh, of course, once you've got track records and raving fans walking around the Haberfield Shopping Centre, it does become much easier to continue to grow that market share. I'm not saying that it's easy for Mike because I know him, as you know him, he's very committed, very focused, and every single day he, you know, he serves his community very well, both in the real estate and just the community in general. But it, it, it's no doubt that you know, if you're sitting there as an agent and you've got 4% market share and you're listening to these numbers, you say, my God, I'm working you know, 80 hours a week and I've only got 4%, you know, realise that once you get momentum and you go from 4 to 10 and 10 to 15 or 15 to 20, all of a sudden the jump from 20 to 40 can be very fast because people starting to recognise you, they go to REA, they do a search on Haberfield, you know, four of the top six listings are yours and people say, well, I've got to go and deal with this girl or this guy because they're clearly, you know, the one in my marketplace that's, you know, doing all the deals. So, yeah, they're, they're the sort of things uh, that, you know, we, we love talking to our listeners about because giving them some practical knowledge and, you know, realising that from where they are to perhaps where some of our legends and, and that we've had on and people like Michael um, that we talk about, it's actually sometimes, you know, it's not as far as you think to get there if you really put your head down and go hard to build market share. Okay, so John, I spent a lot of uh, Sunday um, going over the uh, Million Dollar Agent playbook that's going to be uh, delivered at the uh, boot camp conference on the 19th, 20th and 21st of uh, February. And mm-hmm. I was reading your, your notes and um, day one starts off with a lot of psychology of success in real estate. And John, you make reference um, to mooring lines consistently towards the start. Yeah. Um, of that conference, and I thought that uh, today would be a good day to explain what is a mooring line and what are the most common mooring lines you see in real estate. Yeah, so at our boot camp, Tom, as you and Troy know, I'm, I'm kind of going to open up the batting on day one, and really I want to get everyone's mindset into that you know, million or billion dollar mindset, depending where you want to go, and I think that laying the right foundations which includes attitude, mindset, beliefs, is absolutely vital because, you know, there's no doubt that you and I, Troy, over the three days and then throughout the year, will give people so many great pieces of dialogue and, and approaches and tactics and strategies. You know, and people say, well, all i got to do is turn up to MDA and then listen and then repeat them in the marketplace. Well, partly, but behind the repeating them in the marketplace, you have to have an absolute self-confidence in yourself and your ability to do what you're saying. Because if I give you a fancy piece of dialogue but you don't actually believe you're capable of doing it, then you kind of, you know, it doesn't have the energy. So Mooring Lines started, the concept started with Dr. Fred Gross, who many of our listeners would be aware of, and, you know, three of us know and and love Dr. Fred very, very dearly. Um, So Dr. Fred, in his very first coaching session I ever did with him, we are probably going back 20 years, he talked about Mooring Lines, and he said, John... You know, you know, at, you know, for example, a circular quay where the boats come in, the passenger terminal, and these huge big boats. And he said, you know, what stops them, you know, sort of drifting back into the middle of the harbour? Why do they stay there? And I said, well, you know, I guess they're, they're tied up. He said, well, they're, they're tied up specifically with a thing called a mooring line. 
And he said most of those mooring lines, he said you'll see some sort of uh, some very simple ones like uh, rope ones from the bow going down to the shore. But he said the really strong ones that keep it there and stop it from drifting out in the middle of Sydney Harbour are underneath the water and they're steel and they just lock it rock solid to to the uh, to the wharf there. And I said, okay, well, and what's the relevance in this? He said, well, his equivalent of mooring lines are the beliefs that many people have, in fact, the majority of people have, that stop them getting to their goals are often things that are subconscious, they're hidden beneath the surface, and they are rock solid. So people are out there working hard, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours, and they think they're energetic and they think they're good people, which they probably are, and yet they're not getting towards their goals and he said the problem is beneath the surface subconsciously people have beliefs that are keeping them where they're at now i see this not just in real estate but of course in life and and so i'll give you some examples um a lot of people get into real estate at an early age let's say it could be teens or early 20s probably more likely in, in selling real estate and you know i'm too young or i'm new to the industry is often a mooring line and often i'll say to people so, you know, James, how are you going? And I said, well, you know, okay, I have only haven't been in it that long and I'm sort of new to the industry, so I'm still feeling my way. And so when I hear that, Tom, I, for me, that's just a red light flashing, that that is a current mooring line. And I said, so exactly how long have you been in? And they often say, oh, you know, 16 months. And I said, well, when are you going to stop saying you're new to the market or you're too young or you're too inexperienced? Because right now that does nothing except shield your results and hold you back from where you could get to. My view is you're, you're new to the market day one. Maybe let's extend it to the first week. Thereafter, you're an agent in the game and you have just as much ability and, and capability potentially to outlist someone that's been doing it for 30 years. If you stop telling yourself the story that I'm not good enough or I'm not experienced enough or I'm not wise enough or I'm not old enough or I didn't come from the right school or I haven't got a black book with all the, the, the fancy owner's names in it, all of those things. And there's, there's a whole combination. And I'll just give you a couple of examples, Tom, if I can. Mm-hmm. I, I was coaching one of my team a couple of years ago, one of the females, um, and we're talking about you know getting into you know, building her market share. And I said to her, so, you know, what, what are the multiple sellers you're working with? And she looked at me and she said, well, you got me there. I probably should be, but I'm, I'm not. And I said, well, who could you be working with? And she said, well, I'm not sure. I said, what about small developers in your area? And she's in a great area. And I said, what about the smaller developers, those that are building duplexes or small blocks of four, even, you know, 12 townhomes? You know, I'm not talking about the huge multiplex and Murbacks. I'm talking about the little local builder developers. And I said to her, you know, what about those? Have you contacted those? Because it's a pretty active area. And she said to me, no, I haven't. And I said, well, don't you think that would be a good idea? And she said, yeah, yeah, I said, would. But her response said to me that she had a hesitation. So kind of I energetically latched onto that. And I said, so you're saying yes, but you're meaning no. So tell me what is the blockage? And she said, well, going to be very honest, I really don't think developers want to deal with women. So for me, that was just a classic mooring line. And yeah. I said, so give me some evidence there. My my intuition says developers want to deal with the smartest agents that are bringing them sites that are looking and selling their product and have got their you know finger on the pulse and are great negotiators. For me, gender, age is irrelevant. A developer wants to deal with someone that's great at what they do because these people are professional sellers. Their livelihood depends on their ability to get their property sold for the highest amount within a certain time frame so they can move on to the next one. So I kind of challenge that, and, and, I, and I, in the challenging, I, you know, I seek to loosen it up because I say, well, you know, I'm not really sure this is the case. 
And then we talked about a few other uh, females in the industry that worked not far from her that were doing a lot of developments. We just went and had a look in the Wentworth Courier and we had a look at REA and, and all of a sudden her belief around that, I could see, was being chipped away by new information and just having someone challenge. So yeah, that's just an example of you know something that was sitting internally in someone as a belief. It's not true. It's not real. But for them at that point in time, it was real until they were challenged. So, you know, and in life, and this you know, goes through to, well, you know, you spot someone across the room and you're a single person and you think, God, I'd like to ask him out for a date or her out for a date, but I'm kind of, they won't like me, I'm not good enough, I, you know, my clothes aren't good enough. And people go through all this dialogue and internal and often end up in a place where they just walk out, whether it's in your business life or your real estate life. It will be about, and that's what we're going to do at the boot camp, we're going to unearth people's mooring lines and you know you and i as you know one of the beauties of having people locked in the room for three days you know nine days we're going to be able to really get down to detail and surface with individuals what are your specific mooring lines because we all have them even those yeah. people that, that appear to be incredibly successful and great momentum everyone has them they'll have less than, than those that aren't achieving it so you know we're going to go through and we're going to help people and you know obviously we'll use some case studies and and we're looking for breakthroughs. So I think that's really, you know, important in the mooring lines. And, and uh, you know, I know, Troy, you and I both with the people, the officers and the individuals that we coach at, at McGraw, I mean, we're constantly on the lookout. We're listening. You know, you've got a radar up listening when you're coaching someone. So what would you like to do? What could get in the way? So you got to ask yourself some questions around how do you unearth these? So, you know, Tom, yeah. where do you want to be in 12 months? You know, what's your plan? What could get in the way? When you say you want to, you know, go from 300,000 to 500, if I said to you, let's go to a million, what would pop yeah. up for you? Um, yeah. So it's really about stretching someone to the next level and then seeing what pops up and what normally pops up is a blockage or a belief or, as we're calling them today, a mooring line. John, um, it sounds like if you've got the insight to identify what your mooring line is and then begin to doubt it if it's a self-limiting um, um, belief or story you tell yourself. It's the sort of thing that can create transformation in, 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 in an hour, isn't it? Oh, in an instant. And it's not just about starting to doubt it, though, Tom. You actually have to eradicate it. You know, we talk to our people about ruthlessly eliminating their excuses. And, and in a sense, a mooring line is an excuse. It's a belief that stops you getting somewhere. And um, so 100%, if all of a sudden you're sitting there and someone says, well, hang on, I'll tell you another little scenario. I was coaching one of our, our team members and she, she kind of just joined us not long ago, but she'd been working in another state in the real estate industry for a few years. So she wasn't a novice, but she wasn't overly experienced, but she came into a new market and, uh, you know, I was doing a coaching session with that particular office and, you know, we're talking about, you know, where are you at and where do you want to get to? And she said, well, I'm in a difficult situation. I said, why is that? She said, well, I'm up against two very long-term principals. They both owned their offices for the last 25 years, and they have between them about 65% market share, which leaves only 35% for the rest of us. And I'm brand new to the area. I'm kind of not that long in real estate. And, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to get there. So at that point in time, and, and she, by the way, is a great agent, and she deserves to have 65% herself. And I could intuit that and I knew that. So I was going to go hard on this one. I said, so just let's, let's work out what are your advantages that you offer over those two principles? And she said, oh, I don't know. I'm a good person. I try hard. I think I get good prices. I said, yeah, but we need something probably a bit more tangible than that. I said, 
Firstly, you said they're both men. You're female, so that's an advantage in terms of, I think, that females often connect far better with the decision makers. 95% of the time is in a family, the female. And so for a start, from a gender perspective, I think that you can really start taking on board a belief that, that that really works for you. And she said, yeah, and she said, I do believe that. So I, I kind of said to her, okay, that's a starting point. Second thing is they're both principals. I said, do they have to run busy offices? She said, yep. And I said, so they're trying to sell it. They're trying to run it. Do you think they delegate some of their selling activity to juniors and assistants and, and younger agents in the office? She said, yeah, I know they do. I said, well, do you? She said, no, no, no. I, once I take a listing, I just handle everything. She said, I do have an assistant, but I handle all the opens and the auctions and negotiation. I said, so being a principal can be a disadvantage because that means they've got to run the office, they've got to do all the sales meetings, they've got to coach the other agents, they often end up delegating stuff. So she said, yeah, that's true. And I said, the other thing is, you know, at 65% market share, they're probably far less hungry than you are. And I said, you know, if you've got a great listing today, how hard are you going to work it? She said, 24-7. And I said, so if they've got 20 listings to work and they get a 21st, how hard are they going to work it? She said, well, they've got to split their time across 21 vendors. I said, exactly. So we started like, you know, just methodically, you know, her, her issue was they were a principal, they were in the game 20 years and, and so forth. And the last one I attacked, Tom, was the 20 years. And I said, you know, guess what? People that are being in the game 20 years, and I'm one of them, and, and so are you two guys, you know, they, they're at, a, I think, a decided disadvantage because so much has changed in the last five years. Unless you're up to date with the change and embracing it, you're actually going to be behind the eight ball. So I said, what you bring is fresh ideas, new energy and innovation and creativity to um, the real estate space. So, you know, we just started reversing and shifting a paradigm. And by the way, you know, if I was coaching the principal, one of those two guys, I'd be having a different conversation around the benefits of being in momentum and having the buyers and so forth. But they're all true. You know, they're the truth I, that being in a yeah. small office. Sorry, go on, Tom. John, I... For all our listeners there, and for those of you that can't get to MDA boot camp, but for all our listeners there, that seven-minute or five-minute exercise, you pretty much just gave people a template of actually going through and uh, changing changing their story. Because, John, the, what, you, what you did there is uh, things that agents, girls and guys, talk about every day. I'm too new, my office is too small, mm -hmm. um, I don't have the resources, I'm up against the most dominant agent in the world in my marketplace, the other agents are doing it at 1%, and you've gone through there and you have pretty, pretty much nicely, uh, I mean, in a, in a template, which is quite, quite different to working with someone, you know, for hours, one-on-one, -on -one, over a period of time, but you've given people the view of what it's like to have possibility thinking, not probability thinking, John. I think, yeah, I think that was exactly. outstanding. It's about shifting the paradigm, um, Tom, really. It's around what, what is your current thought? Um, test it. Is it absolutely true, which has come from Byron Katie, who's, you know, I recommend people get on YouTube and look at some of her work, Byron Katie. She's also a great, you know, I guess, life coach. Um, and she talks about, you know, is it absolutely true? And then she talks about, you know, what would your life be like if you moved forward without that um, belief? Or in yeah. fact, in many instances, what would it be like if you moved forward with a new belief that was that was totally empowering? So you not only get rid of the old disempowering belief, but you shift it to a new belief. So if you're a new agent out there, and all of a sudden I said to you, you know, being a new agent, you're at a decided advantage. 
you got new agent energy, you got fresh ideas, you can be putting things on social media that probably the ones that learned 25 years ago that might be now in their 50s or 60s, they're kind of not into that yet and they're losing, they're losing momentum. So I think it's really critical to do that. Now, by the way, it is true that big offices have advantage. It's also true that small offices have advantage. We have to sell what we have to sell, and it's not being yeah. unethical or lacking integrity, but I could give you four or five advantages being in a small office or being a single agent that you know, doesn't have to run an office, and I can give you four advantages of being in a big office or being you know, the senior agent that's been there 20 years. Everything has advantages, but you have to recognise what are your advantages in your current situation and how do you actually put them into the marketplace in best light. Tom, I was going to say. Okay, John. Oh, before yes, we move on, I was going to say the other thing that um, is is mindful in that point that John made over that five minute period is if you're a sales manager or a principal and you can see some of these more in lines within your team, sometimes it takes that conversation or just to pull them aside because a lot of agents probably don't recognise they have those more in lines. They've believed it yeah. for so long that they don't actually know. Um, that it's just a story and it's just a mooring line that they need to overcome. So if you're a sales manager or principal listening to this podcast as well, there's a lot of value to see if you can do those second, third tier questions to really find out what is the mooring line and then how do you shift that thinking, as John was saying. True. true. It's much easier to have someone asking you the questions and challenging you because sometimes, you know, we can't see the, the wood for the trees, as they say. So, yeah, I agree with you, Troy. It's really it's such an important exercise and it's you know, part of sharpening the saw is actually stepping outside of your busy day-to-day and then asking yourself, so what are the things that are holding me back? It's never your office, never your competition, never anything else except it's you. So the question is, how do we actually uh, re-engineer that? Okay, well, uh, guys and girls, on the 19th, 20th, and 21st of February, you're going to have a pen, you're going to have a playbook, and that's going to be your first part of your day, working through, working on yourself, working on your business, asking those crucial conversations and catching your thinking. And John is going to elaborate more in detail how mooring lines are affecting you and the way that you're looking at your real estate life. Um, it's at mdabootcamp.com. We look forward to seeing you there. For those that are coming along, it's $1,950. Guys, I look forward to seeing you. I want to thank realestate.com, our sponsor here. And uh, is there any chance we'll see each other in person next week, guys? Or uh, (laughs) That'd be awesome. I hope so. (laughs) That'd be awesome. I look forward to that. John, um, just just quickly, you're still eating clean since I last spoke to you? Yeah, yeah, no, I've had a great, uh, I've lost six kilograms in four weeks, which is not specifically the goal. It was really just to sort of make sure, I mean, I think as you and Troy know that, you know, I have a pretty healthy life. I don't drink and do all those sort of crazy things. But yeah, sometimes catches up a few too many chocolate bars and things over the Christmas break. You leave you sluggish. So I just cleaned that up and and it didn't take long and and feel great. So yeah, we will also be talking at the boot camp. You know, I'm going to talk about balanced living because I'm one that believes that you can double your income, double it again and still and and improve your relationship and health at the same time. So, you know, we're going to be focusing on on that as well, those important parts because no point being the richest person in the cemetery, Tommy. You've got to maintain your health number one above everything else, as you know. Absolutely. Troy, I look forward to seeing you uh, next week. John, I see you, I think I'll see you uh, next week as well. Um, And um, let's leave it there. Everyone, thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. See you guys. See you guys. Bye-bye.